Welcome to Bramasol's Insights to Action podcast library of topics covering regulatory compliance, reporting, disclosures, financial management, and financial transformation technologies. Bramasol is the leader in SAP-based finance solutions and a co-innovator with SAP on developing and deploying purpose-built compliance capabilities. Learn more about Bramasol at www.bramasol.com. Hello, this is Jim Hunt for Bramasol's Insights to Action podcast series. Uh, today, we're lucky to have Julio Dalacasta uh, with us, who's Director of Technical Accounting at Bramasol. And we're going to talk about a really interesting subject uh, will be very meaningful for some companies in the media industry. And that is um, ASU 2019-02 and the changes that are coming with that. Uh, Hi, Julio. It's great to have you here this morning. Thank you, Jim. Nice to be here again. Um, Why don't we just uh, jump right in? Uh, What what is ASU 2019-02? So actually, it's it's a really relevant point, Jim, because I don't know if you recall, but Bramasol, Last week, we actually had a, um, a webinar on BRIM, which is the new Billing and Revenue Innovations from SAP. And essentially, the reason why BRIM has been gaining so much popularity is because of how we consume data and media now. And essentially, we have moved to the subscription economy, essentially. And what does that mean? It means that now you look at Netflix or you can basically subscribe to Volvo to buy a car and you can get a new car every six months or Porsche. Or basically there's even a subscription service from Panera Bread where you pay $8.95 a month and you can get unlimited coffee. So I think you know this has come about directly with how we as consumers in society, especially in North America, how we consume goods and services. And it's a big change from how we did it before. And ASU 2019-2 specifically uh, applies to the entertainment and media industry. So basically the FASB issued ASU 2019-2, which is for entertainment films, other assets, film costs, and entertainment relating to broadcasters as well as films and license agreement. What basically ASC 2019 does, it helps organizations to align their accounting for production costs for films and episodic content produced for television and streaming services. So as you can see, Jim, you know, it, as a follow-up to what we've been talking about last week about how the subscription economy is now dominating how we as consumers consume not just media content, but as well as coffee and vehicles and all that and all other stuff related to that, is this ASU guidance came out specifically to align media and entertainment content and to make sure that the FASB is keeping up to date with how we as consumers are now consuming goods and services. So we can go into some more detail on that, Jim. So I'm curious about uh, the types of companies that are affected, because I mean, obviously the big streaming names, Netflix and Amazon and so on that we all know, but uh, oftentimes with these changes, 
there are other companies that are impacted that, you know, they might not consider themselves necessarily in the streaming entertainment business, but they do have digital content that could be affected by these changes. Yeah, so, you know, you have all the big players, like you said, Netflix, Amazon, don't forget about Disney, you know, all all content related to, if I, as a, a television station, or I have a media company and I purchase uh, content from another, from a movie studio, basically these are the costs that we are talking about. And basically what the FASB has done is traditionally for films, production costs, so basically if I'm making a big uh, uh, movie, such as you know, um, the latest movies that came out, 1917 or what have you, as you build out the movie and produce the movie, you hire actors, you have payroll costs, you hire, you have stage costs, you have location, vehicles, all these things were allowed to be capitalized under film accounting guidance. However, the flip side of that is before ASU 2019 came out, if you were making a TV series, Jim, so for instance, Friends or whatever TV series you, you enjoy watching, and they made 10 episodes per season, basically the FASB says previously that you were not allowed to capitalize these production costs because you were subject to a constraint because when you were making a TV series, you had to capitalize costs in relation to the contracted revenues from the initial and secondary markets. So let me break that down for the non-accountants in this uh, listing today. Thank Basically, you. When we have a film, any of those costs can be capitalized. So I, I hire an actor for $25 million. I start capitalizing those costs aligned to that movie. If I'm making a TV series, let's say I have, I'm making Friends, for instance, and one of the actors makes $10 million a year, and I have 10 series, basically, I was not allowed to capitalize those costs unless I can prove that I had a secondary market. Basically, what does a secondary market mean? It means reruns. So essentially, what the FASB has done now is to say, even if I have reruns, or I don't have reruns for a TV series, I am allowed to capitalize those costs just as films are allowed to do. And the reason the change came about is, again, because we as consumers, you put on Netflix, you basically what we call binge watch uh, an entire series in one day. So essentially, it was not aligned to how making a film was, where basically any cost you could capitalize and basically capitalize and amortize over the life, the estimated life of that movie. In TV, it was very different, where even though I spent $25 million for uh, a series, I was not allowed to capitalize that $25 million unless I can prove that there was value beyond the initial series run. So for instance, I bring up Friends a lot because Friends came out when I was in college, you know, 25 years ago. 
But even today, my kids, 12 years old, they watch Friends. So what does that mean? That means that there's still tremendous value in the reruns of Friends or any other TV series. So basically, back in those days, Friends would not have been able to capitalize those costs unless they can prove that there would be some type of monetization of the entire TV series. The ASU 2019-2 came out and says, the nuances between film and TV has gone away. Essentially, okay. you, 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 you no longer have that constraint. So therefore now, whenever I incur costs to make a movie or TV series, I can capitalize that. And I can amortize that. Now, it's very important that we talk about the second piece of this, because the second piece of this relates to the amortization. There are basically two ways to amortize this cost. So picture you make one of those blockbuster movies for $100 million. That $100 million goes on a company's balance sheet at $100 million. That's how you capitalize cost. Now, the FASB has said that just like any other intangible asset, that $100 million you've incurred is an intangible asset that you have to amortize. Basically, what you have to amortize is over what period? So the FASB has two different methodologies to come up with that. The way you monetize it. So basically, let's say I have a TV series that I am going to monetize. I think that the life of this TV series is basically two years. It's basically two years. However, I expect, based on the new consumption model, and that is a big change in what the FASB is trying to, to illustrate for its users, is that now you have to basically estimate the amortization of that $100 million film based on cons expected consumer usage. So for instance, in my example, if I have a television series, and I expect it to be over two years. However, you can either do straight line. So I say 50 million one year, 50 million another year. But now you can actually say, I have used, or I expect that this TV series will be consumed within the first 12 months, 75%. And in the second half, the next year, 25%. FASB now allows me to amortize that based on consumer usage. So in that example, I am going to amortize 75 million in year one and 25 million in year two. So it's a very big change, especially for the television series industry. And I think a lot of companies now have been struggling to come up with, they need to change their accounting processes because, and here's why. Because before, for these television series, you basically expensed as you incurred. So therefore, there was no way to really capitalize unless you had that proof of, you can show that there's going to be value for the, inter, for the first run and secondary runs of these TV series. Now, that constraint is gone. So what do you have to do? Let's say you're a large TV company and you have all these um, media content, these TV programs on your balance sheet, but right. it's not new. It's been three years, five years, 
and I am amortizing only the piece that I can prove to my auditors and my executive team that's going to have value beyond the initial run of that series. Well, guess what? Now I have to come up with the accounting change. The accounting change says I have to look at all my content that I have on my balance sheet and say, okay, before I can only capitalize, I don't know, 25%. Going forward, I'm allowed to capitalize 100%. So for companies, that translates into additional monies that's going to be now deferred. So it end up in a larger cost deferral, which would actually mean for companies that they will have less expense and more EBITDA. So more earnings. Their bottom line uh, from a revenue and profit standpoint is enhanced by capitalizing. Exactly, by capitalizing more. So that's the first change. The second change is now companies are struggling because this is a perspective change. Perspective change means that you are allowed to change from the point going forward. So even though I was amortizing based on whatever methodology I was using, let's say I was using straight line. Now I have to say, what is the methodology that I'm using based on this now new consumption model? So the consumption model says, maybe I'm not doing it straight line. Maybe I'm, I expect to consumers to consume my TV series front-loaded rather than evenly. So therefore, I have to recognize more amortization up front. So how am I going to do that? So a lot of companies, they've already programmed within the ERPs. I'm going to do this straight line. I am going to look at this you know, over five years, over two years, 50-50. Well, now, FASB is requiring that you have to analyze all your current content on your balance sheet. And basically, the word is, look at what is the predominant monetization strategy. So what does that mean? That means that upon commencement of capitalization costs for each asset, the ASU requires an entity to determine the predominant monetization strategy of each film. So basically, the question is whether a title will be monetized predominantly on its own or together with other films. So there's a lot of, in a streaming service or cable network, so there's a lot of significant judgment will be required to determine whether the unit of account is a film or a film group, especially when the film will be monetized in multiple ways. So, Jim, th that's a lot to really uh, consume in the last 10 minutes I've been talking. So what questions would you have? Well, a, a couple of questions, uh, and thank you. That's a great overview. Uh, one question, we're going to talk a little bit about timeframes for implementation. And I, I think uh, from our previous discussion that it's essentially fiscal years that start after December of 2019. Correct. But, but going to what you were just talking about, Let's, uh, let's take a kind of a straw man example. Suppose that I have um, media that I've created. It's a television series. Um, I had, under previous rules, set it up for five years of uh, straight line amortization. Mm -hmm. I'm two years into that. Now the change comes. What do I have to look at um, to recalculate uh, or... It, do I reach back and recalculate 
things that have already started. So this is a perspective uh, methodology. So perspective means we are only going to essentially change the accounting going forward from that period onwards. Right. So essentially what happens is, let's say I've only uh, capitalized 10% because of the rules. Now that constraint is gone, I am allowed to, if I have re recurring costs for that TV series, I'm allowed to book more deferred charges on my balance sheet, reducing my expense one, and then I have to reevaluate my amortization method. How am I, how is my customer base going to use or how, how am I as a, as a, as a producer will, will monetize these TV series? So if, if the answer is accelerated and I've been using straight line, I am going to change the way I amortize. So essentially what's going to happen is I am going to have more amortization upfront if I believe program by program that it's going to be consumed in that manner. If I still believe that my straight line methodology, which is over even periods over the same time, then it means that my methodology will stay the same but I'm going to have a bigger capitalized amount. There's one other thing I wanted to talk about, Jim, just before you know, we, we wrap up the summary of this, is now I've capitalized more costs. Right. And that requires impairment testing to be done. So basically, what does impairment testing mean? Let's go back to my $100 million example, where basically I have $100 million of cost. If I am making uh, DC Comics movies as a group, I have to decide whether this movie is going to be grouped individually just for this movie, or is it going to be part of a bigger group of movies? And then I have to, I have to uh, calculate and assess whether this impairment testing model is going to be done on a title by title basis or group basis. So let's say all the DC uh, comics movies as one impairment unit, or is it going to be one unit per unit? So that's very important as well, because it's going to say every year now, because I'm capitalizing more costs on the balance sheet, your auditors is probably going to look at, okay, is this $100 million really recoverable based on my expected uh, revenues from this movie, or is it going to be impaired? So as we move forward, prospectively, we're going to have three changes for all these uh, content. You're going to have, you can capitalize more, which means that your earnings could potentially be impacted favorably. You're going to look at the way in which you're going to amortize your newly capitalized costs, is it going to be on a straight line method or an accelerated method based on the monetization of this TV content? And lastly, you're going to have your impairment. It's very important that companies really assess how they're going to look at the impairment model. Is it going to be on a title by title basis or is it going to be on your group basis, which is very similar how we impair fixed assets right now. 
Lastly, Jim, which is I always talk about, is there's new disclosure requirements. Disclosure requirements that's going to tell the reader how you as a film and media company have adopted the new standard. What changes have you done? How are you looking at capitalization of cost? What is your methodology for amortization? And lastly, how are you going to explain what is the impairment methodology that you plan to use on these assets? And Jim, just to kind of bring it all together, this again, it's really comes about as how we as consumers have really looked at how we consume this content. And it's really the growth of the subscription online video has taken place alongside structural changes in the wider home entertainment landscape. You know, you have the accessibility of high-speed media, the erosion of the traditional, you know, traditional multi-channel TV, and a rising number of people, as we say, Jim, who cut the cord, and all they have now is broadband-only homes. So that's that, the way we consume these programs is directly affecting the way companies who produce these programs can capitalize, amortize, and impair these new media content. Oh, absolutely. And, and there's a lot more cross-licensing of content between streaming services and so on. I mean, they're still sorting out who's, who are competitors and who are partners, but that cross-licensing really impacts the decisions one was going to make on capitalization, amortization, impairment, et cetera. Yes, definitely. Exciting time, Jim. It's an exciting time, Jim. And, you know, because of the way we've changed our, our way we consume technology, you know, it's, you know, fortunately, the FASB, our accounting guiding body, has, you know, basically come up to times and changed the way that we as accountants have to account for these things. So I applaud the FASB for really, you know, coming up with the times and really changing the way that we account for these things. Right. Just one really quick question um, before we wrap up, and that has to do with uh, timing. Uh, you mentioned disclosure reports. Oftentimes CFOs, you know, they have a thousand things going on. So uh, it's when push comes to shove, that's a really important date for them. So when are they, when are companies first going to have to disclose um, their reporting under these changes? So yeah, so they're going to do this in 2020. And a lot of companies right now, they have to disclose all what I just told you in 2020. And the problem companies are having is, you know, we have one customer right now that reached out to us in this gym, and they have to change their depreciation key. So their depreciation key was doing straight line. And now, they have to change based on their analysis of their content and how they how consumers actually use their content and consume their content they now have to accelerate the amortization of these of these programs so that actually means that two things they have to change the accounting but more importantly they have to change the way they analyze and the internal control environment is changed as well because now you say, okay, I have $100 million, it's five years, it's $20 million a year. Well, guess what? Now I have to link my amortization schedule to how I expect my consumers to consume this 
And therefore, how I as a company expect to monetize this content. So therefore, I can move from straight line to 35% year one, 20% year two, 10% year three, and so on. So therefore, I am going to change the way I account for my amortization. So I have to change my internal control environment. I have to change the way I account for it. And guess what? I have to disclose to my consumers and investors, especially public companies, how I have done this change, similar to Revrec and leasing. Right. And there's no time to waste uh, because nope. streaming companies that have lots of content and continue to produce lots of content, they need to get moving not only with the changes to comply, they need to, as you say, analytics will be really important. They need to move to integrate so that it's not just a one-off compliance they're trying to handle outside of their core systems. Yeah, and, I, and that's right, Jim. I mean, I think, I think it's going to be more, it, well, you know, I think that the, the media and entertainment industry has been really, you know, begging for this change because it just wasn't, the accounting was not aligned. You know, when you do one thing for film, another thing for TV episodes, you know, it wasn't aligned. So I think now, as we do for RevRec and leasing, there's more transparency, there's more compar comparability, comparability within between film and episodic uh, content, i.e. TV series. This, this has been great, Julio. This is fascinating. I, I could go on all day about it, but we don't have that much time. And I really appreciate your input on this. I think yes. we're going to have to schedule something in the future for ERP and system impact yes. to really look in more detail at this. But this has been a great overview. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Have a good day, Jim. Appreciate you too. It. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bramasol's Insight to Action podcast series. We hope that you found it helpful. To ensure that you never miss a future episode, you can subscribe to Bramasol at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Bramasol and detail on our solutions for compliance, optimization, and financial transformation, please visit www.bramasol.com or email us at info at bramasol.com.